you can have a night where maybe you didn't get enough sleep the night before and you kind of, you go through sound check and you're kind of half sleepwalking when uh, showtime comes out and then you have a crowd up front that is just like jumping up and down and yeah and all of a sudden all that goes away welcome to episode 22 of measured voices i'm walt huntsman in this final episode of 2018 i sit down with scott sprague from innocent man over the next hour or so we'll talk about the band its origins how it's evolved through the years how the band approaches songwriting and more scott talks about balancing band work and home lives and about feeding off the energy of the crowd all that plus music from innocent man next on measured voices I'll start by asking you to describe your band and your music for people who maybe don't know about Innocent Man as yet. Sure. Um, so Innocent Man was formed back in 2009. Uh, we played in our drummer's garage for the first little bit. Uh, it was at the first part of it was just four of us. It was our drummer, Josh Sears, um, our bass player, Conlon McCain, our lead guitar player, Dan Burns, and myself. And really, we had all gone to the College of Idaho and um, played in other bands uh, during that time. And we all went our separate ways after everyone left school and found ourselves back in 2008, 2009, back in the Treasure Valley. So we wanted to get together and just jam, really. We had no intention of playing shows or anything. So... Uh, yeah, we, we started just playing every Wednesday in, in Josh's garage and, uh, his wife was very accommodating <laughs> to us <laughs> invading their house like that. So, um, so we did that for a while and then we added another member, uh, Tim Callender on, on keyboard, uh, who also a dear friend of ours and a phenomenal musician and, and just a really, really good guy. And, um, we played our first show. Uh, at the Edwards Greenhouse, um, okay. yeah, just just down the street, actually. Uh, we know it well. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was in September, uh, September ninth, uh, two thousand nine, I believe. And the cops were called, so it was a good show. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, the idea of the band has always kind of been that people get together, friends get together, and it's almost like our version of a of a poker night, really. So we get together, have you know, play some music, have a beer or two, have a glass of wine, and just um, just really with good friends having a good time, and that's that's kind of the core of what Innocent Man is. Let me ask you, what kind of backgrounds and influences do you guys all bring to Innocent Man, or or maybe just speak to your own musical background and influences? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, everyone brings something different, you know. Um, when uh, Tim Tim has left the band, but he he brought just a, an incredible energy. He listens to an array of music from uh, country to uh, to Scandinavian death metal to <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between. So it was it was great to kind of have his influence on that. Um, Dan, our lead guitar player, uh, he listens to a lot of blues, blues rock, um, southern rock. Um, uh, some, a lot of progressive, uh, progressive rock, uh, and he's he's. I don't know if you've listened to any of our music, but he, oh, yeah. he, he's a he's the shredder of the <laughs> of the group. You know, Josh listens to uh, uh, a wide array of music as well. Um, you know, he he has his roots steeped in like uh, Uncle Tupelo and Sunvolt. And those are kind of his uh, his bands that he really likes. Um, Conlon listens to a lot of. Um, uh, 
progressive metal. Uh, so, you know, stuff like, uh, uh, he drug me to my first Toadies concert uh, years and years and years ago, uh, which kind of this, uh, uh, this heavy band that's got and plays an odd time signatures and everything. So that's a lot of fun. He brings that uh, another energy specific person to the group. Um, we've had uh, two people play the fiddle. Uh, first one is uh, Lindsay Hunt. Uh, she joined the band in 2011, 2010, and, and played through 2013 with us. Uh, classically trained violin player, amazing voice. Um, and then currently we have Kristen Burns playing fiddle, and she is incredible. <laughs> She's got a great voice, a great feel for music, um, one of the best musicians I've, I've ever played with. So, yeah. You mentioned that Tim had left the group. Uh, have you found a replacement yet? No, no. It's... Um, uh, We've we've always kind of had um, it be pretty strictly you know friends kind of be part of the band, and um, you know getting people uh, up to speed on all that stuff, and especially if they're not necessarily a, a core you know in, in our in our core friend circle, it's a little tough. And you know we we also have a you know the way we work is a little different than most bands too. Uh, it's not where you know you go out play a bar gig. It pays X amount, and you just give the money up that way. It's uh, you know we we try to make sure that no one person is any in any financial straits when it comes to the band, so everything goes into one pot, and um, that's sometimes not always the best thing for uh, outsiders coming in, just because it's like oh why am I not getting my eighty bucks tonight or something like that, and that that's the reason. Any timetable, or are you in any hurry to find a replacement, or just however it happens to go? Yeah, we try to everything we do is try to be as organic as possible. So, and obviously the door is always open for Tim to come come back yeah. and sit in and everything because he's a great friend of ours and yeah, we 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 miss him. <laughs> Most of your members come from small Idaho towns. In your case and that of at least one or two other members, it's McCall. And you have a couple from Payette. How does that small town sensibility filter in or or flavor your music? Do you think? Oh, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> We try to play music and write music that that it, that has touched us in some way um, that we we find emotional connection to. Um, you know, we, we're all very proud of where we come from. Um, we we have deep roots there, and we go back and play McCall as often as possible. Um, so it, it's you know just kind of having that down to earth type of mentality with the you know be it a party song or a song that's actually you know has some real deep emotion to it, we try to connect with it. And that, I think being from a small town helps with that a little bit. Do, do you think those, those small town influences uh, influence your overall style and sound then? Uh, probably. I mean, I think that um, you know, anytime that you are immersed and steeped into a uh, certain kind of culture or community, um, any art you, you create is probably uh, at least par- partially dependent on that. Um, in the wine world, we call that terroir. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the terroir of small towns is definitely apparent in our music, I think. Okay. Well, this uh, seems like the perfect spot to give uh, people uh, an initial, if they haven't heard your band before, an initial sample of what that sound is like. So why don't you talk about uh, the song you'd, you'd like them to like to share with us? Um, you know, the, one of the ones where I'm really proud of off of our, our last album is a song called I-84. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, while I don't know if it's overall like, you know, a great sampling of, 
you know, a stereotypical innocent man song as far as like, you know, being a Southern rock song and all, because it's way more kind of uh, acoustic driven, uh, almost kind of bluegrassy and in certain aspects of it. But um, it definitely speaks to that, uh, that small town kind of quality you were talking about. So uh, it's kind of a narrative of my wife and I, we lived in Portland uh, for a couple of years before coming back to Boise. And in the, those two years, we drove I-84 just <laughs> as often as possible, come back to see friends and family and whatnot. And it's, uh, you know, it's a road that's definitely near and dear to my heart, so I just wanted to write uh, about that. And I think regionally, people, everyone knows what I-84 is, and everyone has their own uh, memories of going to, you know, from either here to Pendleton or Portland or Hood River or Baker and all sorts of great places like that, so... Okay, so we'll listen to ID4.
same old city, our new home again. But our hearts belong to Portland in the rain. That same old city remains unchanged. We found our love on I-84, between a river and a Columbia Gorge. Somewhere beyond Baker and Dead Man Pass, all the way to Portland, home at last. We found our love on I-84, between a river and a Columbia Gorge. Somewhere beyond Baker and Dead Man Pass, on the way to Portland, Coming out of that song, that actually uh, takes me to a question that I had further down the list, but I'll I'll, I'll move it up, as it were. Um, the the last album that you guys did, you have a, at least a couple songs that have those sort of more direct connections to Idaho. Uh, I'll ask you how your music has evolved or or changed. Uh, between that album and and your first album, which uh, came out in, in 2013, Homegrown, mm-hmm. so how, talk about that evolution, how that how that developed for you. Yeah, it's yeah. Slow Nights is a, is an album that is I think a lot more cohesive than Homegrown. I love Homegrown and how how it all came about and the songs on there, but there are a lot of songs on Homegrown that I had written you know back in the early 2000s. That you know, after you know, we left college and the bands back mm-hmm. there, and before this whole project started, um, so I just had these songs hanging out and wanted to do something with them. And this band came along, we learned them, and and they were put on Homegrown. But it's you know, we have a song on there called Whistler, which is all about a trip I took when I was 20 years old up to Whistler, and had you know a much more uh, higher tolerance to, uh, <laughs> to alcohol back then. <laughs> uh, Didn't we? All? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that 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 you listen to lyrics about that. It's all about you know going out in bars and having a good time. Um, it's it's kind of ironic and funny, even you know at age almost thirty nine now, uh, singing about <laughs> an adventure I had almost twenty years ago uh, in that fashion. Um, so you have those kind of songs on Homegrown and versus Slow Nights, where most of those songs, I think there was only one song that came from the previous era. Uh, everything else was written in that time frame, and so you have a more cohesive. Um, Look and outlook on on life, and so it almost feels like a more complete album to me from start to finish. Okay, so the first album sounds like it was more like you had some songs, and now you have a band that can do them. Whereas the second album was you have a band, and songs now come together specifically with this band in mind. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I, absolutely. We have. Um, you know, Homegrown was actually supposed to just be a demo. Uh, we, we went into one studio and just had five songs and said, let's just make a demo. And then after we made the demo, we're like, well, we have these other songs too. And so we booked time in another studio and went in and recorded those. And so not only is it kind of a hodgepodge of different eras of songwriting, it's also a hodgepodge of two different studios and mm-hmm. you know, probably about six months between recording one versus recording other. So you have different gear and different, you know, you learn different techniques in that time and everything. So um, it's a fun album as far as like a, a snapshot of where the band was at that era. Okay. Um, but it's fun to see how the progression has kind of gone and even how the songs have changed that we play on stage uh, from that album. 
that's changed okay. quite a bit. Are you, are you the primary songwriter then for the group? Or I, I write a lot of songs. Um, Dan has written uh, a lot of really good songs. Uh, one of my favorite songs on the last album was A Hundred Dollar Box of Wine, which mm-hmm. he authored from start to finish, and I think that's a great song. Um, Kristen has uh, emerged as uh, a really, really good songwriter. Um, was, she only had one song on the first, or I'm sorry, on uh, Slow Nights, but she's going to have at least two on this next album, and, and uh, they're some of my favorites on this next next batch of songs too. Well, let's let's talk about how those responsibilities break down. I I noticed that on the second album that that this time she had a lead vocal, and uh, you know the first vo- first album no she had back backing vocals. But uh, uh, talk about how that sort of changed in terms of of um, what the different people are bringing to the group these days. Yeah, we have a very open-ended um, songwriting style. So uh, I'll, I'll write like uh, bare bones of a song and bring it to the group. And I'm not saying, all right, Dan, I want you to play this part, or Kristen, I want you to play this part, so to speak. It's more along the lines of what do you guys, what do you guys hear, and what do you want to put on there, uh, so they can put the meat on the bones, so to speak. And it's, you know, I, I love the collaborative process because I could write all this stuff out and say, okay, no, Dan, I want you to play this exactly like this. But every single time I take a band or a song to the band um, and they end up putting their own parts on there, it's always, it always ends up better than it was in my head. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to hang out and play music with some uh, ferociously create, creative people. Uh, they are wonderful. And it sounds like uh, in in listening to uh, some of your music, it sounds like you have several different people who who kind of take turns at lead vocals. Mm-hmm. How do you decide on on any given song who's going to take the lead on that? Mostly, whoever wrote it is uh, like at least the, the vocal part of it. Um, you know, the, the songs that Dan sings lead vocal on, he wrote the lyrics. Okay. The songs that Kristen sings lead vocal on, she wrote the lyrics. Um, we're trying to leave some things a little more open-ended because you know we, we, you know, we all personally really love Kristen's voice and we want her to sing more songs. And so, um, you know, there's a song that we're trying to work on right now that Dan has written the, the music for, but we're kind of leaving it uh, open for Kristen uh, to put her, uh, her vocal footprint, our thumbprint on it, so to speak. And so, it's, uh, you know, we're we're trying to be conscious on on getting people. Uh, a lot of time that they want to have doing this project. So that one sounds like it could be end up being a, a collaboration, not only in terms of the different of the different band members putting their stamp on it, but in terms of the actual songwriting itself. Is is there a lot of songwriting collaboration within the group, or do does each person not necessarily come forward with a finished song, but with sort of a song structure already in place? Uh, yeah, song structure in place a lot of times, but you know there there are times where you 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 think you have it and then you play it, and of course someone says you know you should try it this way, and you go mm. oh yeah that's the obvious thing to do. Um, we we try really hard not to make sure that when you bring something to the group, it's not a you know you know a critical like you know bring down type of thing. It's more this is like, terrible exactly. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's like we try very hard to make sure that it, you know. That sounded good. Why don't we try it this way? And then you know, you as if someone says that to me, you're like, okay, cool. Let's let's take it that way and see what happens. Because you know, again, you know, people have different ears and approach things different ways. 
And, you know, even though I have a way I approach things, I'll be the first to admit it's not always the best way. <laughs> and so I always am very, uh, I, I like having that, that second or third or fourth opinion saying, hey, try, try something this way. And you go, oh, yeah, no, that was a better way. That was great. I want to talk approach in a minute, but you've mentioned Kristen a couple times, and she is the, the lone female in mm-hmm. the band. What is that dynamic like with one female and, and, and at least until recently, five guys? Oh, oh she keeps us honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not, um, you know, the, the, whole, the whole gender role is, is something that's very blurred anyway. We try to, you know, make sure that mm-hmm. that's not something where it's like, you know, oh, dude, female, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's just, you know. She, I, I've known Kristen forever. You know, we we grew up together in McCall. Um, you know, we went to the same elementary school and junior high school and high school. She was a year behind me. So you know, I've I've known her and her folks for forever, and uh, so she's just you know just a friend. You know, and, and is, a good is, friend. Is that helped more by the effort to get her more involved in terms of the of the vocals too? Do you at all or? Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's it, it. I just want everyone to have have fun with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, I think I'm kind of the de facto leader, just because I, I'm I have I'm very ambitious when it comes to songwriting and 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 finding shows and and doing a lot of those kind of things and organizing the practices and everything. But you know, I, I still you know. It, Putting time into a band or putting time into any project, you're taking time away from you know family. You're taking time away from any other thing you want to do, and so it's important for me that everyone has a good time with it. And so if they, you know, she's a great singer, she's a great uh, instrumentalist, um, and you know I want to showcase her because <laughs> she's great, <laughs> and Dan too. Like Dan, I want Dan to write more songs because. I think Dan brings a unique voice and a unique way of phrasing and a new, unique way of uh, putting chords together that you know, I want him to write more songs and, and feature him more too because I think he's, you know, it's different than what I do. Um, but it's kind of cool because you can, you know, latch onto that and get ideas from it. Well, you know, one of the things that you were you were talking about that, that kind of came out in, in, in that uh, response was uh, actually re- touches on a question that I had a little further down on my list. You work full time outside of the band. I assume that many, uh, if not all, of the band members do likewise. Talk about that challenge of of balancing work life, family life, band life, uh, and and the whole you know chasing gigs and and whatnot. Um, all of our spouses are. Um, amazing people like truly amazing people they they all encourage us they um they uh, they're so understanding and they're so um i i can't say enough good things about uh everyone uh who who's uh, who's involved in this um you know we're, we're very lucky we're, we're extremely lucky to have the family that we do we're extremely lucky to have the jobs that we do mm-hmm. um we, we don't do this to put food on the table. We do this really because it, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy it a lot. And so, um, you know, every other band I've been a part of, you know, back in college and everything, money's always kind of gotten, you know, at some point in, in the middle of it and kind of had some bad feelings with that. And so really the bit, the first thing we thought of was let's take that out because, you know, like I said, we all have jobs. And mm-hmm. so we don't put food on the table with it. So 
uh, you do that and you just like realize, okay, we're doing this because it's a great time. We love playing for people. We love playing uh, with each other. Um, and we go for it. Um, the works, uh, the work we do, uh, on our nine to fives, um, they're, they're all amazing. Um, you know, I know why merchant employs me, uh, and, you know, they're very understanding with, with what I do on all this stuff. In fact, they, <laughs> I know why merchant has a warehouse that that's where we practice. <laughs> they, they, they let us come in and, 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 uh, have a little room up in the, on the rafters, so to speak. And we leave our equipment there, which is nice to, so we don't have to set up and tear down after every practice. But no, so. but no unattended barrels or anything. <laughs> <laughs> or no, bottles. no, no. We, we, we're very conscientious to make sure that we don't <laughs> screw with the inventory. <laughs> But let me ask you this then, uh, you, you, you all have jobs that, uh, you enjoy and, and the music is meant to be fun. Would you like it to be more or, or, or is that, is that really a goal at this point? I think that when it comes to all that, it, it still has to be organic and it still has to be, um, uh, something where, uh, we can all do it. I mean, we're in a spot in our lives right now where, you know, as professionals in our own individual career paths, uh, we're, we're do, we do okay. Um, and, you know, obviously going off on the road for six months of the year to, to chase that, uh, that thing is probably the, the window on that is probably closed, um, on the, on that, you know, mm-hmm. rigorous touring. Um, that said, you know, if something came up, came about, we'd certainly listen to it. Um, you know, this is this is obviously fun, but we also obviously have a passion for it. Um, so we're happy right now with the work, work, work balance because I won't say this is just a hobby because no, <laughs> we put no. a lot more than just a no, hobby. <laughs> no, music music can be a lot of work, even yeah. even though it's a lot of fun. But it's nice to have that that creative outlet. I think that's a lot of things mm-hmm. that that we all craved before we um, got in this was that you know you work all day. Uh, you put your you know whole mind, body, and soul into into your nine to five, and then at the end of the week, you're just like, I just want to scream into a microphone for two hours, <laughs> and we get to do that, and and that's yeah. fun, you know that that allows for that that work life balance. That I think you know some people go off camping for two weeks, some people, um, you know, go do you know rock climb and everything like that. You know, we we get to play music together, and 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 people want us to play in front of them, and that's you know. That's really cool. <laughs> I tend to like to have my cake and eat it too. I like to go camping for a weekend, write songs while I'm camping. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, and you were talking about the creative outlet, let's talk about the songwriting, uh, your songwriting process uh, in particular, because I won't ask you to speak for how the other band, sure. band members approach songwriting. But uh, are there specific themes that you're drawn to when you write? I do like to try to take a little bit from my own experience, but I try not to cloud the the, the message of the song too much with that. Um, if you get too deep and personal with songs, sometimes it's, it's tough when someone comes up, oh, that's my favorite song, and you're like, oh, well, you don't know what it's really about and everything mm-hmm. like that. So I try to leave that a little open-ended. I try to take themes from maybe things I kind of feel or things I see from people that I know or uh, just just feelings that I have, um, you know, for the lyric lyrical part of it. Um, there's, there's not a whole lot of, um, like very specific, okay, this is definitely an instance that happened at my life and this and this or any, from any song, but you know, you always write better when you're talking about subjects that you have firsthand knowledge of. So I try to at least have a closest to a lot of the, 
the themes and the songs. Okay. Well, at this point, I think uh, we should uh, have another example of, uh, of your music then. Sure. Um, so th- I think we should probably listen to uh, um, Slow Nights in Idaho. Okay. Because uh, that was, you know, that was kind of similar in what we're, we're talking about. Because in high school, I, didn't, I wasn't really a party person. I wasn't someone who was going out to, you know, camp with, uh, with people doing keggers and everything like that. <laughs> that wasn't my speed. But I always had pe- people uh, close to me who would do that. And so I always hear stories of it. So Slow Nights in Idaho is kind of based on, um, exaggerations of friends telling me, oh, this is what we did this weekend and going out and, you know, getting really drunk in um, the mountains and, and, uh, <laughs> and sleeping in the back of their pickup trucks and everything. So, okay. Uh, All right. We'll listen to Slow Nights in Idaho. Dusty feet. 
Coming out of that song, I want to kind of go back to where we started. We we started talking about uh, having you describe the band's music and whatnot, and and in listening to uh, some of the some of the music, uh, it struck me that a, a lot of your music uh, you try to you try to keep it up tempo, uh, which I assume is a deliberate choice. But uh, what? Uh, what kind of I guess what led to that and what uh, how do you how do you see with the up tempo music how do you kind of see your your music then in that in that sense all those songs start out as slow songs uh, no I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> no we uh, that was one of the biggest things we had to do because when when we play live and we play live uh, quite a bit you know you, you're always going with the energy of the crowd mm-hmm. and energy 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 and so you you always just find the tempo kind of creeping up with that anyway and so you play for you know let's say it's 3 years between recording you know in those 3 years of of playing you know 20 plus shows 25 shows a year you know you and all the practicing you do um, you just kind of find the tempo is just naturally being at a certain spot and the last album slow nights um, we had a lot of uh, you know uh, advice from both our engineer and our producer saying, all right, let's, let's bring the tempos down just a little <laughs> bit. And, you know, that, that's always a tricky thing to do just because, um, you know, you're so used to playing a certain way, especially uh, on the percussion. You know, Josh, who, who, is, who is a very um, uh, uh, hard-hitting drummer, and he, and he uh, has a lot of feel for it. And um, when you start asking the slow songs down, sometimes the, you know, you don't actually get the... the um, enunciation, so to speak, mm-hmm. on the on the beat. Um, so, but Josh, he adapted really quickly to that. So, um, uh, hats off to him on the, all that. But no, we as far as uh, kind of the styles of songs and, and the and the up temponess of it, um, you know, it, it, we just like we like having energy. We like having energy on stage. We like having energy in the songs. Um, and you know, th- those those kind of songs allow us to really. 
pump up the crowd. <laughs> and I can imagine from listening to some of the music that it would be hard to slow it down because, uh, I mean, you guys are you guys are uh, kind of almost like party in a can in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, it's it's amazing to see um, uh, to see people's reaction to it because when when you know you have a crowd that is just as into it as as you are on stage. Um, that the energy just kind of feeds off each other, and you know you can have a night where maybe you didn't get enough sleep the night before, and you kind of, you go through sound check, and you're kind of half sleepwalking when uh, showtime comes out, and then you have a crowd up front that is just like jumping up and down, and yeah, and all of a sudden you know, all that goes away. You, mm. The adrenaline pumps, and you're just like, all right, it's on, let's go. Uh, one of the best examples I have of that was um, we were playing Stanley last year in Mountain Village Saloon, and. Um, up in yeah, it's a great area, great town, and we love playing playing for um, uh, Ron up there. And um, w- they do two nights when you get booked in the in the summertime. So you do a Friday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. And there's another bar in town called the Casino Club, and they also book a, a band for Friday and Saturday as well. And so what happens a lot of times is um, the town will go to one show w- one night, and the right. other show the next night. And so you're playing to um, a few people one night, and then a packed house. The next night, and so last year we did that. It was like the first night everyone went to the the other bar, and so we had we had a good crowd, but it it wasn't like you know packed and everything. Right. And you know that night we we stayed up, played music, and we cooked and everything. And and uh, the next day we were a little tired going to sound check, and then we hit the stage, and the bar just exploded. There was just you know tons of people in there, and it was like okay, the switch has been flipped. <laughs> Let's go, and that was. An incredibly high energy show. We probably played a few beats per minute faster that night too. So. <laughs> it's, it's really easy if you get a good crowd to feed off that energy, than, as opposed to if there's you know maybe just a handful of people yeah. in the audience. Uh, since you're talking about performing, can you talk about what for you maybe was the most memorable? performance you guys have had oh uh, th- that's easy that's when we released our uh, uh, slow nights uh, when we had the album release party there uh, we, we rented out the knitting factory for the night and we had over 800 people show up oh, wow. for that um, that that was that was an amazing experience we um, record that album at the audio lab with uh, Steve Fulton as the engineer mm-hmm. and our good friend Ben Fletcher as producer and it was a labor of love for sure. Uh, both Benny and Steve got us through that one uh, and, uh, and made it sound amazing. And um, then we kind of went on this little pre-tour. We went over to Bend, played a show, went okay. to Walla Walla, played a show. Um, then we came back to Boise and uh, we played the record exchange uh, for uh, just a pre-release on the, on the Tuesday. And then the release was on Friday, so we played... Um, Voice Public Radio, a live performance uh, before the show at the Ning Factory. And just so much running around, and I had a little bit of a cold, and so it was, uh, <laughs> my voice wasn't on, on point. But we got out there, and we had you know good friends, um, uh, Drifter Still and Brendan Circus, open up for us. And then when we hit the Packed House, and it just from the first note all the way to the last song of the encore was just pure... Fun. <laughs> it was just so much fun to see all of our friends and family there. All these people that we talked about earlier who have supported us and mm-hmm. helped us um, 
different walks of life from both our professional lives and uh, college um, classmates and high school classmates all come out and seeing all this melting pot of, of people who have helped us all individually over the course of our lives be there in that moment on that stage with that sound. It was just, it was epic. <laughs> that was so much fun. Well, if if Steve Fulton happens to hear this, Steve, I still want you to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> do it, Steve. Do it. <laughs> who who were some of your musical heroes growing up? Uh, when I was in elementary school and junior high school, um, my parents would go. Uh, to all their friends' houses uh, on a lot of different weekends. We'd have these little kind of pop-up parties with all of, our, mm-hmm. all of our friends. And I remember starting in 1986 and for like the next six years, every single time we went to these parties, one album was played over and over and over and over again. That was Paul Simon's Graceland. Okay. And so, great album. <laughs> great album. So that was kind of my first like, okay, knowing an album inside and out was that album. And... Um, so that was hugely influential, influential on my um, on my vocals and everything. Even though I don't sound anything like Paul Simon, but he's a good thing, uh, good person to uh, try to emulate. Oh yeah. Um, and then when I got into high school, uh, got it way into Zeppelin. I mean, Led Zeppelin was just kind of it. Uh, I collected every single album they made. <laughs> Uh, I, I was a prep cook at Smoky Mountain Pizza in McCall, and I would bug everyone because I would listen to all the albums sequentially. So starting with Zeppelin 1 and going all the way to Coda and then back to Zeppelin 1. <laughs> so uh, everyone who worked with me hated Led Zeppelin for the longest time after that. <laughs> um, but my first rock concert I ever went to was uh, my dad took me down to see Jethro Tull. At, uh, oh, wow. So Emerson Lake and Palmer opened up. And this is back in ninety. 394 something like that and they played at the BSU Pavilion and that was just that was mind blowing uh, Ian Anderson is is one of my all time musical heroes he's he's incredible he's, he's a great one uh, you know his, his early stuff with you know Benefit and Stand Up even this was I mean the first album was just you know it's all sort it's steeped in like this jazzy blues stuff that's that's uh, one of the first times as a, as a 13, 14 year old, I heard like this cross pollination genres that really meshed well together. So that was really cool. Um, and then later in high school, I found the Grateful Dead. And so I started okay. <laughs> really, really getting into that. Um, and that was all the way through my first year of college, just really listening to nonstop dead music. And then um, in 1999, Fish came to uh, play the Boise State uh, Pavilion. Okay. And that was, that was, that's still probably the best concert I've ever been to. Um, and I've seen Fish, you know, a dozen times since. And that, that first show is, is so good. And even now you go back and listen to that on, on tape or you can find YouTube videos of, of that performance, uh, people smuggling cameras in, and it holds up. It is, it is that good. So that's a pretty wide range of, uh, sort of a, a big melting pot of music in a sense, uh, Paul Simon, I I still have hopes of one day writing a song that's half as good as as anything he's ever written, and and Jethro Tull, you mentioned you mentioned the early albums. I was a big fan of the 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 sort of the folk ones that came a little later, like, like Songs a, in the Wood and and Heavy Horses. horses and, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh man, I, uh, I thought those were great. Whistler and um, and uh, uh, 
One Brown Mouse. Very underrated song, mm-hmm. One Brown Mouse. That was yeah. great. I was a big fan of, uh, and I don't know if I, the exact title, but I know that the, the subtitle was Cap in Hand. Oh, yeah. I uh, think it's Pilbrock or something like that. Some weird Storm title. Like or something like no, that. No, it's, it's, from, it's from the Songs in the Wood album, I remember. But, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I love that song. I've got that on vinyl. I'll go home and listen to that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> do, do any of those, have, or how have some of those sort of flavors kind of uh, mixed in or colored your own songwriting? Yeah, you know, they they've gotten me out of a lot of songwriting holes. Um, you know, you look at especially bands like Jethro Tull and and Fish, who are very progressive bands, mm-hmm. and you know who will change time signatures and key signatures and go from point A to point Z and hit every <laughs> point in between in one song. And so you you know if you're if you have certain songs that you know you maybe you've changed key and you don't know how to get back to where you started from. You know, you can go back and listen to some of those songs and kind of get an influence on. Okay, here's a chord progression that might, you know, help you out and get you back to where you want to go. Um, there's a song off of uh, Slow Nights called uh, "Step Out of Your Skin," where uh, we we uh, change from um, the key of A to uh, go up to the key of B, mm-hmm. and trying to get back into the key of A, I, it took me probably two months to figure out how the heck do I do this uh, in, in a way that how the song was was kind right. of structured. I didn't really just want to do another. Um, jump uh, key change, and um, there is uh, there's a song that Fish does called uh, "Theme from the Bottom." And in their live versions, there's a little uh, chord progression with a little bubbly uh, uh, lick that goes on with it, and it's a really interesting chord progression that kind of gets you uh, gets them back into where they wanted to go. And so I actually kind of transposed that into the this key, and we were able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell the band members that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They might be listening to it now and go, "Oh, that's what that was," uh, but because I didn't want them to say, "Okay, we're going to play it like that." So I did the same thing, with, you know, normal songwriting uh, that we do as a group. I said, "Here's this chord progression I came up with. What do you guys want to do on top of that?" And so Kristen and and Dan came up with this um, little lick on top of this chord progression that worked out really, really well. It doesn't sound anything like "Theme from the Bottom," by the way. <laughs> you don't. At least I don't think uh you find a lot of people who write in the key of b very often <laughs> especially guitarists i know a lot of guitarists don't like anything to do with the key of b much i try to have many songs in different key signatures because um i don't want anything sounding stale mm-hmm. um you know if, if you're a blues guitar player you tend to write a lot of songs in the key of a right. or the key of e and so that you know having those open strings kind of get to and you know those are fun, fun keys to be in, of course. But if you have an entire album in the key of A, that's a little monotonous. Mm-hmm. So I try to, you know, I think in this this next batch of songs that we're coming out with, I don't think I wrote a single song in the key of A. Maybe one, maybe one, but <laughs> I tried really hard to stay away from it. <laughs> I actually never wrote a, a song in the key of A deliberately until I was challenged by my guitar teacher to do so. so. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite songs now uh, of of my own songs. Uh, as far as uh, your songwriting process, how does that how does that work? Do you do you start off then with do you decide on a key or do you uh, start off with a riff or do you have a, a line that comes to your mind or how to, or is there or is there any one approach for you? Most of the time, uh, it comes from just uh, having a lick or having a chord progression or saying. 
um, I want it to sound something like this. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, there, there's a song that I'm in the middle of writing right now that when I first started, I said I was listening to um, Beck's um, uh, Morning Morning Phase quite a bit. Okay. Um, and so I was like, oh, I kind of want a song that's in that kind of genre. So I deliberately um, didn't look up how to play any of those songs. Like, okay, if I was going to start writing something like that, how would I start writing something like that? So I came up, came up with a quick little chord progression. Okay, this sounds kind of in the vein where I want it to be. And from there, you just start humming. And I'm like, okay, hum, hum along, say nonsensical words, mm-hmm. nonsensical phrases until something like, oh, that's kind of catchy. You write that down. Okay, what can I write around that? And so you kind of have this foundation that you so, sort of slowly build up and build up. So so, so once you've built that foundation, uh, roughly, and, and uh, I, I know there's not – no one said answer, but do songs tend to come together fairly quickly for you, or or are they, or does each song tend to be more like uh, I don't know, trying to invade Russia, you know, <laughs> sort of like slogging through the snow of Leningrad kind of thing? It's <laughs> a good analogy. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it depends on the song. You know, there there's a song that was on the first album that I wrote in. Literally 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things where I just came down. I found this one chord progression. I was like, oh. Um, and out came Boomerang. And literally, like, words, the key, or the, uh, the the bridge, everything came out, like, in 20 minutes. It was on paper. I'm like, oh, okay, I've got a song. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Um, but the one I was telling you earlier, uh, Step Out of Your Skin, like, I had, like, one verse. I had the chorus. And I had the chord progression um, up until where I needed to have the the whole phrasing go back to the original key. And that literally took me probably six months to, to finish after I started that. Do, so. you, do you keep a file of, of bits and pieces then that you go back to and, and look at and say, oh, maybe I, maybe I can do something with this now after you've maybe you've written some other song and it's kind of, I don't know, inspired you to, to, to revisit? There's a lot of songs that... that I kind of just put aside after I mm-hmm. uh, after I do it, just because it's um, I don't the songs that I end up finishing are ones that I I tend to ha- just have something go off like a spark go off. Mm-hmm. So okay, this this has a hook. This has something that's that's relatable. This has something that that is exciting to me. Um, there's you know I've got you know on my phone over there a uh, you know on the notes section I just have a ton of you know throwaway lyrics that probably will never get written into a song because I, I said them once and that sounded cool and come back to the next morning. Like, yeah, that wasn't so cool. <laughs> so I'll delete that. But it has to start out for me with, with the music. Um, I can, you know, do lyrics around the music and that's mm-hmm. fine. So if the music, if I just have lyrics floating around, sometimes those are, you know, I'm never going to look at, I'd rarely look at a lyric and go, okay, I need to write something around this lyric. It's 99.9% of the time. It's like, I've got this cool riff or I've got this cool, chord progression and I want to write something to that. I don't know I don't know if you you ever experience this. I, I know sometimes I find that you know I'll get an idea and and I'll write it down and just it just seems like I need to get it out just to get it out and it may not be very good but but it's out and then I can move on to maybe something better. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I I've written um there's a handful of songs that I I wrote about maybe a year, year and a half ago, that I was pretty convinced we're gonna show up on the on our next album when we start recording. And um, after playing with the band, you're just like, okay, those are okay, 
but I can do better. And so I, you know, this this next album is going to be really important to us, um, mostly because every single song will have come from this um, iteration of the band. Um, every single uh, song will have had Kristen be a part of the songwriting process, which is important to have everyone on the same page. We can all relate to the songs. Um, I think the content's a little bit more, not heavy, but I think a little bit more real than maybe the last few songs, our last few albums Mm -hmm. have had as far as a collective of songs. And also we're going to our 10th year of being a band next year. And so, you know, there's, there's a sense of excitement and like wonder and kind of, you know, a little shock. Oh my God, we've been playing for 10 years and we, we still like doing it. That's great. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still fun. Well, I want to touch on that, but I also want to, uh, touch on something that you were, that I, a sense that I got as you were talking, talk about when you're writing, how you see, the band, I don't know, it sounds like, it, it sounds to me as if the band pushes you to, okay, you're at point A, but the, the band pushes you to level B or what, you know, a different level in terms of songwriting. Does that, is that accurate? I think um, the, the people I play with are very nice that they'll, they'll play pretty much, if I really push through a song, they would say, okay, well, we'll play that song. It wasn't necessarily like, like the song, they weren't into the song. It just felt like, you know, it wasn't something they were connecting with. And it goes all the way back to the idea that I, I want them to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if they are not connecting with the song, I don't want them to, to push that on them too much. Now, I will make Josh still play a, a Beatles cover once in a while, even though he doesn't <laughs> like the Beatles. So, <laughs> But that's beside the point. Um, no, it, it is all about, you know, everyone's got to have, a, a you know, something fun about the song. Like we, and that Stanley... Uh, Two Night Stand, I talked about, um, you know, we, we we busted out a song we hadn't played in years off our first album just because it was like, oh, let's let's throw that on there because, you know, just vary the set list a little bit. And after we got done uh, with the show, Kristen said, hey, you know, you know I'm, we can retire that song. I, I, I don't really feel too much for that song. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. We can retire that song. No worries. Um I, if they don't want to play it, I, hmm. I don't want I don't want to be the you know dictator saying you're going to play this song. Like, no, I want you to have fun with it. So, and we haven't talked about covers much, but uh, so I, it sounds like you it, in live performances will mix in some covers. What uh, when you're looking, either you or the band as a whole, when you're looking for songs by others, other artists, other songwriters, what what do you look for? Uh, for me, I look for songs that aren't necessarily the most obvious. Um, I like to have this element of surprise, and it's always kind of fun. Like uh, One of my favorite covers that we do every once in a while is a, a song by the band Dawes, uh, which is um, mm-hmm. That Western Skyline. It's the first song off their first album, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And the way they do it, it's, it's just acoustic uh, with the organ and a little bit of bass and drums, but it's very, very minimalistic, and we kind of put a little bit louder uh, <laughs> rock and roll feel to it. Uh, very similar to the way they do their uh, th- that song live in their shows. And so we opened up at the Knitting Factory two years ago for, um, I want to say, Wade Bowen, and we threw that into the set list just you know for fun. And of course, no one there because Wade Bowen's you know diehard country, you know Nashville Texan guy and everything. And so, um, and afterwards, we were sitting on our, our little booth selling CDs and T-shirts and whatnot. 
and we had a gal come up and was like, I want to buy the album. The album that has that song, uh, uh, <laughs> she, she quoted the one of the lyrics, and I was like, and I had to break her heart, like, oh, that was our one cover. <laughs> right. So, uh, but those are kind of fun because, like, the, the people who know that kind of stuff, like, we had, we played that song up in Sun Valley, um, like, a year ago or, or so, and we were outside in front of the River on Lodge playing, and we put that on, and everyone's like, oh, this is a good song, kind of dance to it. And one guy in the back's like, Dawes, that's awesome. And so, like, you connect with that guy. That guy's like, oh my God, that guy, they know that song. They know that band. They know my favorite band. And so, even though it's a little obscure, you know, that, that's kind of fun. I had, an, I had another songwriter uh, recently tell me that uh, one of the things that she likes about doing covers is it sort of takes the pressure off. And you can kind of, you don't have to carry all the weight because you didn't have to write the song or the, necessarily write the arrangement, uh, depending on how, how you're doing the song. But it, sure. it kind of takes a little weight off. I imagine that uh, you can relax and get into those songs when those come along. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes they're the more pressure ones. Like we used to cover Comfortably Numb. Uh, just oh, wow. throw that in there. And when you when you cover something as iconic as, as one of those songs, and it's like, okay, it's got that that very definitive solo it's got this very definitive vocal line and everything and so you know when those songs kind of come up and you're like okay we're gonna play that you kind of get a little nervous for that because like you screw that one up you know <laughs> everyone knows. i can see that so you, so you got to be careful which ones you pick <laughs> exactly i think the most mainstream one that we're covering that's been in our rotation for the last year uh, we cover um led zeppelin's cashmere but we do it as an instrumental where Kristen takes the lead uh, okay. lead vocal on the fiddle and um, it, it's inspired by uh, a YouTube video I saw of, of a, a guy, I forget the gentleman's name, who's an amazing fiddle player. Uh, but if you Google uh, or YouTube um, fiddle player cashmere, this will come up. It, it's a way to kind of do that song and make it your own mm-hmm. and not necessarily, uh, you know, okay, I'm not going to do the vocal part. I'm not, we're not going to, you know, dry, dry, drag it out for eight and a half minutes or whatnot. You know, this is going to be a four and a half minute um, instrumental version so people can get their fix like oh yeah we know this song and they and they're engaged with it but you, you know you're not living up to the expectation of having to nail it like Led Zeppelin which is and that's always kind of the challenge when you do a cover song because you want it to be you want it to be recognizable but you also want to give it your own stamp so that you're not just simply trying to mimic what the recording does exactly so. exactly and you know you, you same thing with with our our originals as well there's like for Sloan in Idaho that we just listened to, uh, you know that the way that came out on the album is actually different than the way we play it live. Uh, when we play it live, there's an extra chorus and there's another uh, phrasing at the end and the hmm. first verse that was cut out of the studio version for length and continuity and everything. And it was a, it was the right move to make on the studio, but we do like playing it the way it was written live. So now you mentioned that you that the band is is coming up on on ten years together. Yes. Uh, at least most of you. <laughs> uh, what uh, what's ahead for Innocent Man? You know, as long as people want to come see us, and we still, uh, I know, I know we're going to still like playing with each other because, you know, I, these are these are the closest friends that I have. Uh, you know, I I work. You know, we all work really hard in our nine to fives. We all have wonderful families, but you know, every Wednesday night or Tuesday night or whatever day of the week. Uh, we happen to get together for practice is still one of the most exciting nights for me because I get to play music with, with the people that, um, that the closest to me. And that's, that's a lot of fun. Now you mentioned that you've, you've got some, some more songs that, uh, uh, are planned for a new album. What's, what, 
any rough timetable for that at all at this point? Or? We we're doing the demos right now. So um, when we recorded Slow Nights, it was a really good process. It was a really good introduction to how to make an album and how not to make an album. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, Steve was amazing. Everyone at the audio lab was amazing. Um, but we went into the studio not as prepared as we should have been. There were songs that were, we were still kind of working out the kinks of, and I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll just, we'll do that in the studio. That, that's not a cheap thing to do. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, like I said, everyone at the audio lab was very patient, very, uh, forgiving of us and, 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 and help helpful to us, uh, getting our, our sound out there. Um, but we're, we're taking a different approach this time. Um, I, I think we're still going to end up back at the audio lab for the finished product. Um, but we're, we're going through, uh, several demo phases of the songs now where we're, uh, we recently invested in our live rig, um, uh, our, our in-ear monitors and uh, kind of our own own system. And the happy accent of all this was that um, our new mixer allows us to track in real time multi-track. <laughs> and so mm. we just hook up a computer, just plug an Ethernet cable in, and all of a sudden hit record. And now any show we go to that we're using our own system, we can record live, which is kind of nice. And so. We were taking that into the into our practice space and doing demos that way, and so we're going through and doing the first rough rough demos of of the ten or eleven songs we've got right now, and then we're going to get give that to our producer, and he's going to come back and and give us notes like, hey, you should do this differently. Hey, slow down. <laughs> you don't need to go so fast on this song. Um, maybe try this, try that, and then what we can do is learn from those notes, go back and do another demo. Was this what you meant? Yeah, okay, cool. Now we learn those songs that way. And then once we're tight on how everything should come out in the studio, then we can go into the audio lab and, and actually, you know, hopefully cruise through it much faster and a little bit less expensive than we did last time. <laughs> it sounds like at some point, if you wanted to, you could end up uh, creating your own live recordings and selling them on site. You, know, you can relive this experience. Right. Uh, that. Uh, We'd probably give that away for free, but that's okay. <laughs> I know at least one band has done that uh, that came to Boise, uh, the, the uh, British band Squeeze. Right. When they were here, did that. They recorded their show, and you could buy the the recording of the show. So uh, It's you know, been a very a- popular business model uh, on how, how a lot of these bands have done it for a while. Like, um, you know, I mentioned Fish. They're, they mm-hmm. really pioneered that whole idea of of uh live the next day music i mean right now you if you go to a fish concert um they're recording everything multi-track and mixing real time and so literally two hours after the show you go on their website and there it is and if you if you were at the show you can use your ticket to you know punch mm-hmm. in and they'll give you a free copy or you can stream it or something like that seems, seems like a way to help uh, offset some of the cost of touring <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's you know Obviously, touring is still the bread and butter for a lot of musicians, right. and it's still the way we you know, obviously we we don't um, the the band makes money by playing live shows, not by selling our CDs. So uh, and that's actually been a kind of a point of what how we're going to put this new album out. How what format are you going to do? You know, because you know our lead guitar player, player Dan brings up a really good point that you know who who really buys CDs these days, and so. Yeah. How, how do you market that correctly? So. And, and that's a discussion I've had kind of off and on with, with other people that uh, I've talked to, um, singles versus CDs, and, and that whole dynamic is 
seems to be shifting. Some people think it's a good thing, and some people say I don't like it that much because you know if they're if they're interested in doing say a concept kind of album, you know, there's no such thing as a concept single really, exactly. <laughs> unless it's a 20 minute single. <laughs> Maybe go go the old Jethro Tull thick as a brick version. That's right. <laughs> Here's 43 minutes of our single. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that might be the only one. So. Is there is there anything else that uh, that people should know about uh, Innocent Man that we haven't uh, touched on? Um, we 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 feel very privileged uh, that that people still um, after ten years want to come and see us. Um, uh, we we don't take that lightly. Um, you know, every time we get the opportunity to step on the stage, and there's people there who are encouraging us to do so. Uh, that feeling is it, you can't measure that you can't put that into words um we we always try to stay humble with all that because you know you have a lot of different things you could do on a friday or saturday night and if you want to spend it with us and you know, someplace for where, where we're playing music that you know that means the world um and and for everyone who has ever come out to an innocent man concert um you know we 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 thank you from the bottom of our hearts because you know, that, that's you, know, you showing up means the world. So thank you. <laughs> okay. And with that, I think we'll close with uh, one more song. And uh, you're going to play us a song. Sure. Yeah. If you uh, could tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear. Sure. Uh, I think I'll play a song that we're kind of working on right now. Um, it's one that um, recently I had my 20 year high school reunion. And uh, that was interesting when it popped up in my Facebook feed that, oh, everyone's getting together up at Brundage for our 20 year. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it's been 20 years. And so you start thinking about, you know, what some of these people you haven't seen since graduation day. And, you know, wh- what did you think of them then? How did they actually turn up? You know, Facebook has been great as far as like keeping up with people and whatnot and seeing how everyone turned out. But this this song is kind of geared towards that, and it's it's called uh, the best years. Back to where it all began, mountain towns and high school friends. Remember where the dirt roads end Feels like we're starting all over again Take the same drive around the lake You can't remember every honest mistake Whitewashed and hung out to dry Letting go is never really goodbye Oh, it seems like you figured it out Ain't got a clue what that is all about You call a minivan your perfect ride You must be blurry looking through those eyes And I seem to know your name On a different plane But it's hard to see Never knew your life But I've seen a sign That the best years of our lives 
are ahead of me. I pegged you for the county jail Scraping pennies just to make your bail It's nice to see you turned out so well Living through another version of hell Oh, don't it feel like the 4th of July With heavy metal from your four-wheel drive Pumping out some Motley crew. Don't ever let them tell you what you should do And I seem to know your name On a different plane But it's hard to see And I never knew your life but I've seen a sign That the best years of our lives Are ahead of me I hope this hairstyle never fades I hope tomorrow never shows my age I wish the world would just stand still Why can't the world just stand still? And I seem to know your name On a different plane But it's hard to see Never knew your life But I've seen a sign That the best years of our lives Are ahead of me My thanks to Scott Sprague from Innocent Man. You'll find links to the band's webpage and Facebook page on our blog at measured-voices.blogspot.com. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Measured Voices. Join us in 2019 for another episode. Episode 23 will feature a conversation with longtime Boise songwriter Wendy Matson. Until then, I'm Walt Huntsman, and this has been Measured Voices. <laughs>